0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen to Devotions with Bishop Dolan on member-supported Restoration Radio. My name is Matthew Arthur and I am your host. This episode is a members-only episode and is not available for individual purchase and download. To receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit truerestoration.org and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. And now, on Doctors and Devotions, we present Devotions with Bishop Dolan.
1: Hello, and welcome to Devotions with Bishop Dolan. As we always do, let's begin with a prayer. May our sacrifice be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. May it be made wholesome for us by the prayers of him in whose honor it is offered up. Through Christ our Lord, amen. the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Well, dear friends, This prayer is not just any prayer, it's the secret prayer of a mass, the common of one martyr. It is recited on the day on which I'm recording this particular presentation, the feast day of St. Pantaleon, the martyr, who is also one of the 14 holy helpers. But I chose this prayer to begin because as devotees, that's a good word to use, isn't it, of the devotional series, you will remember that devotion means more than just our particular saints or titles of our Lord or our Lady, our particular pious practices to which we give ourselves and thus give ourselves to God for his honor and glory. And God, in turn, through the saints, will answer our prayers. No, it means more than that. It means a complete and an irrevocable consecration to God. St. Thomas Aquinas insists on that. And uh, Cardinal Schuster, in his wonderful book about the sacred liturgy and the saints of the day, he stresses that as well. In fact, he goes so far as to say, did you ever think of this, that devotion is equivalent in the liturgy to sacrifice. In this sense, that devotion leads us to sacrifice, to offer the perfect sacrifice, which is the Mass. Therefore, there's never any kind of a contradiction between our devotions and assisting devoutly at the sacrifice of the Mass. But more than that, too, devotion can simply be said in liturgical terms, to mean our Eucharistic sacrifice, the complete and irrevocable consecration of self that we make to God in offering up God's Son, his body and his blood, in union with the priest at the altar during the holy sacrifice. So that gives you some idea of the depth of it. Let no one ever disparage devotions or consider that devotions in the big scheme of things are really of little moment. Oh no, far, far from that. They are very important, I am convinced, in the divine plan. And when you are properly devout, why then, your will really is consecrated to God, to his glory, as we would say today, to Jesus through Mary. Who is it, after all, who inspires devotions except the Holy Ghost himself? And all of the approved and sanctified by tradition devotions come from the voice of the spouse, Holy Mother Church, inspired by the Holy Ghost to guide us in this very important manner. In fact, a good way to look at devotions is to consider that they are this panoply of possibilities for prayer, penitential practices, and the expression of our love and devotion to God and his saints, that they are all of them as so many channels used by the Holy Ghost to bring actual graces into our soul. and The way our devotions work, indeed, show them to be part of the category of sacramentals in the Church. That is to say, unlike a sacrament, they do not work automatically. Ex opere operato is the Latin term we use. But they work instead in a secondary fashion, ex opere operantis, we say. That is to say that our devotions, our prayers, our devout practices, our sacramentals, all of them inspire in us something in our heart. And that takes us to the heart of devotion, doesn't it? In order to conform our will to the will of God. Sometimes people have the idea that devotion and prayer really amount to making God conform himself to our will, and if I say this prayer faithfully for nine days in a row, or if I follow this or that particular detail of a devotion, most religiously, why then, I'll get what I want. I'll bind God. Dear friends, that's far, far from a Christian understanding of devotion. It takes us back to a pagan mentality, to the sort of legalistic Latin or Roman view of their religion and their offering up of sacrifices. No, no, that would be a terrible abuse and a sad, sort of a crass misunderstanding. Our devotions take our heart and put them upon the patent in union with the Mass. Our devotions are our Lord's means of assisting us in all of the needs of our life, but the greatest need first, and the greatest need surely is that of bringing our will in conformity with the will of God. That being said, consider the beauty of devotion in your own life. I mentioned the Holy Ghost earlier. That's an important devotion, isn't it? We should pray to the Holy Ghost regularly and faithfully, especially before beginning a work or when we're in need of concentration, when we are in need of enlightenment, or one of the Holy Ghost gifts, such as wisdom, or knowledge, or piety, and certainly fortitude. Just breathe a little prayer to the Holy Ghost for his assistance. Today is the feast day of St. Pantaleon, the day on which I'm recording this devotional show. He is one of the 14 holy helpers. He's one of those many, many saints long since fallen out of popularity. And I can only regret it because of the intrinsic interest of his story, his death, his glory, his cultus or devotion down throughout the centuries, even unto our day, because he still has his place as a martyred saint of the simplex or simple rite on the 27th of July each year. Tradition tells us that he was a doctor at the imperial court of Maximian, the emperor of the East, about the beginning of the fourth century, and um, had been raised by his pious mother as a Christian. Already now, in the year 300 or so, we're talking about, of course, Catholics. There were many of them by then raised as Catholics, although his father was a pagan. Well, he was a talented physician, and as a talented physician, he got himself a place at the imperial court. There he was done in by what you might call anti-devotion, If devotions move and inspire us, statues, candles, prayers, hymns, celebrations, novenas, uh, scapulars, medals, all of the rest, and they do inspire us to put our will in conformity with the will of God, why then at the same time, anti-devotion is bound to drag us down. What's that in a word or a phrase? Bad example. The bad example of others that might make us... Oh, a little ashamed of wearing that scapular. What if somebody sees me fingering my rosary beads or making a novena or lighting a candle before a saint? Isn't that just being showy? Shouldn't my religion be more stern, or more internal, more quote-unquote spiritual? Ah, dear friend, that's the beginning of bad example, and it can lead to other things after that. And finally, of course, with bad example... We are exposed to the temptations of those who are not in the least ashamed to uh, throw their paganism, sometimes even debauchery, call it for what it is, right in our face. Well, that's what happened to our saint. He was a Christian by birth and baptism, but slowly he grew cold in his faith. He probably gave up prayer and the practice of charity, And eventually he apostatized from the faith, go along to get along. After all, he had a job. He had to earn a living. Maybe he had a family, I don't know. But in any case, he wanted to get along in this world and he wanted to please the emperor in whose service he was rather than in the service of the king of kings. A certain priest, Hermolaus, came along and he it is, who had the grace to be able to bring Pantaleon back to his senses and to the practice of his childhood Catholic faith. Thus strengthened, he uh, made a good confession, he did his penance, and when the persecution came to town, the persecution of Diocletian, the last great persecution, which gave the Church so many martyrs, a devotion to the martyrs is a beautiful devotion, I note parenthetically, and considering all of the attacks upon the church and upon Christians, I use the term loosely of different shades and types, it's a very timely devotion today, isn't it? Because you see the active hand of the Mohammedan against the Christian resurgent today in bloody attacks all over the world. Well, he, Pantaleon, is a wonderful example of fortitude that Holy Ghost gift, under uh, suffering. He is depicted with his hands nailed. And uh, truth to tell, he is said to have gone through a series of excruciating tortures, including having red-hot plates applied to his flesh and then the nailing part, too. But he persevered. Probably he offered up these sufferings in atonement for his temporary apostasy from the Christian faith, and he died and is glorified still today in heaven. How is he glorified? Well, I mentioned his place in the Mass, and a very beautiful and comforting Mass it is indeed in the Roman Missal. There is as well for this saint, as for St. Januarius, who is not too far away from him in Naples, at St. At Pantaleon's Shrine in um, near Amalfi in Italy, the Ravello is the name of the town, his blood, or a vial with a mixture of serum and blood from the saint, liquefies on his feast day each year and remains in a liquid form until after the second vespers of the day following, the 28th of July. Indeed, it is said that a cardinal under Pope Leo XIII, we're talking late 19th century now, a bit of a skeptic, thinking that the people maybe had just persuaded themselves that it was so, sort of a collective delusion. He went down to visit the shrine and to see the supposed miracle in a very skeptical frame of mind. This cardinal was was an important man of the church. He was the prefect of the um, Sacred Congregation of Rites he saw the miracle himself with his own eyes. The saint persuaded him of the veracity of it, to be devoted to the relics of the saints, to be devoted to their stories, to hold in honor and tell others of these wondrous miracles, such as the liquefaction of dried blood. Those are also very Catholic, and you might say martyr-related devotions, that are very fitting and very appropriate for our day. St. Pantaleon is one of the 14 Holy Helpers. Their feast is collectively observed, or was, in certain dioceses in uh, Germany in particular. There's one church in the United States in Baltimore, which is named in honor of this very um, uh, typically German devotion. And I say typically German, because the Germans like to categorize and organize things, and they did that with the saints. This saint takes care of this need, St. Uh, Pantaleon, he takes care of tuberculosis patients, consumption, and Acacius, he takes care of a headache, St. Uh, Barbara is invoked against lightning, and so forth, for all of the 14 holy helpers. You know, the tradition is that in the Middle Ages, there was an apparition of little children in a field, and amongst them the Holy Child, chases, and the saints appearing as little children, and this um, led to the beginning of the cultus, or the devotion, to the 14 holy helpers. At least that's the pious story. It's a devotion which unfortunately has pretty much almost died out today. And that's a shame. But you can still find in some prayer books the um, uh, the collective prayer in honor of them. And you'll still find in the older editions of the Missal, especially the St. Andrew Daily Missal, around the 24th, 25th of July, you'll find a list of the 14 holy helpers. We should know them. We should pray to them. We should invoke them for the practical assistance they render to us and the help they give us most of all by this, these are martyrs by the sacrifice of their lives to equate in our own life both devotion and sacrifice to put them together. Now, Saint Pantaleon is um, a patron saint of doctors. He was one of the Anageri, as the Greeks call them. That is to say, he was a moneyless physician. He treated the poor without charging any money for his services. I tell people sometimes that almost would seem a miracle in and of itself, to get treated by a doctor and get no bill in the mail. But he did it for the love of Almighty God, and probably as well in atonement for his own sins. He's a patron saint of doctors. Here's a devotion. Did you ever think of praying for doctors in general, and for your doctor in particular? We pray for our sick. At least I hope we do. We remember to pray for them every day, particularly every Sunday at Mass. But do we remember as well to pray for those who treat them, for nurses, for other medical assistants, but particularly for doctors, for those, as it were, who supervise the operation that the Holy Ghost may guide their hand. That's a good devotion for us to remember, and it is a highly charitable one as well. Speaking of praying for the sick, how about praying for ourselves when we're sick? That's one of those things that might make you feel, oh, I don't know, a little bit uh, guilty. Should we really be praying for ourselves? Don't the saints cry out, Domine al au pati mori, O oh Lord, let me either suffer or die for thee, St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi. And yet, I think a calm and a common-sense approach is to pray for good health. And the saints, think of Francis de Sales, would certainly insist that we are obliged to take all of the ordinary means in order to promote our good health. Indeed, this is the collect for the Mass of St. Pantaleon, a patron saint of doctors. Grant, we beseech the Almighty God, that by the intercession of blessed Pantaleon, thy martyr, our bodies may be delivered from all harm and our hearts cleansed from wicked thoughts. Consider, then, it is fitting that the church should ask of this saint, this holy physician, this moneyless doctor, for the gift of bodily health. Because after all, well, look at your own life. Isn't bodily health and the energy that comes with that, isn't that often the very most favorable condition for working zealously for the glory of God? If that's your intention, if that's what you keep in view when you pray, why then, you may certainly, freely, enthusiastically even, and frequently, pray for good health, pray for a long life. And, at the same time, pray for all of the means that are necessary for this prayer to be answered, whether it be that our Lord bless you with good doctors and good medicine and good diet and uh, all of the rest. But what about the suffering part? Well, our Lord will take care of that. Remember, when you pray... You want to bring your petition to God through the Mother of God, through Our Lady, and that you should do in a simple and a very childlike way many times a day. De Maria numquam satis. There's never enough of Our Lady. She'll console us in our distress and she'll take our petition right to the very heart of God. God knows what's best for us and God will send what is best for us. Our duty as children is to make our petitions known. As our Lord says in the Gospel for the Rogation Day Mass, we should be like a hungry traveler in the middle of the night who keeps on knocking until his friend finally gets up, the whole family gets awakened as well, leaves his bed and takes care of that visitor because he won't give up knocking. But we do that always with the idea that our devotio, our devotion, our prayer, our novenas, our tridums, our love for a particular saint should at the same time be matched by and lead us to our sacrificium, that we offer our sacrifice. Ultimately, it's the sacrifice of our will, should our Lord desire it. It's the sacrifice of our life or that which is most dear to us. Perhaps our plans, our holy desires, all of it, that we should offer that in sacrifice to God. Our Lady, our Lord, the angels, they'll sort it all out. But you make your petitions known to God, as the Apostle says with thanksgiving, night and day, again and again, and always with very great confidence. I think that St. Anne, a great saint in her own right, the mother of the Blessed Virgin Mary, along with her good husband, Saint Joachim, give us a wonderful example in this regard. That is to say, how ought we to pray, especially when we feel downtrodden, dejected, depressed even. Look at how the Jews looked down upon this holy couple because our Lord had never blessed them with a child. How, in the traditional tale, St. Joachim's offering at the temple was spurned, rejected by the priest because he was considered to be some sort of an occult, a secret sinner because God had never given a child to him and to his wife. And how Joachim retires into the desert to fast and to pray. And how Anna stays at home, leading a quiet and a retired life, also of fasting and of prayer and how our Lord hears their prayer, and they are given a child, and that child is to be the mother of the Savior, our blessed mother herself, conceived without sin, and she would, in her womb, Mary, she would host, as it were, the incarnation of the Son of God himself. All of this comes about as a result of that quiet and persevering prayer, the submission of their hearts to the holy will of God. Just as St. Anne herself is a most beloved saint, she's the patroness of grandmothers in particular, St. Joachim of grandfathers, they are the grandparents of God after all. At the same time, as they receive their petitions, I think they give us an example of the way in which we should pray, whether it be to St. Anne or to St. Anthony or St. Peregrine or, or to our Blessed Lady under one of her many, many beautiful and consoling titles. This is how we should pray, quietly, with perseverance and with devotion, not just for a time, not just with great tears, but perseveringly, and away from the noise and the confusion of the world. Remember, if you want to make your prayer all the more powerful in the eyes of God, join with it not only compunction, true sorrow of heart for your sins, but join with your prayer, your sincere petitions, the practice of penance, some little acts of self-denial, mortification, or sacrifice. We say these acts of penance could be internal, some... A little thought, uh, that you deny yourself some speech that you just forego, or they could be external, that is to say, mortification of the table in the matter of eat, or eating or drinking, mm. mortification too of recreation, of fun, of, of enjoyment, as well as the sacrifice perhaps of sleep in order to pray. Think about it, ask the Holy Ghost, he'll certainly inspire you in this matter. St. Anne and St. Joachim, I think, are wonderful examples for us of the way in which we should practice devotion and we should pray.
0: Thank you for joining us on Devotions with Bishop Dolan. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we thank His Excellency for his time to record this show. If you have any questions about anything you heard on today's episode, please email questions at truerestoration.org. We want to remind you that Devotions with Bishop Dolan is a production of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to copyright at truerestoration.org. All of us here at member-supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful, and beneficial to you and to your faith. In return, please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I am Matthew Arthur. May God bless you.